Well, if you're glad you're here tonight, let's hear a good hearty amen. amen. Wonderful always to go to the house of the Lord and to allow the Lord to bless us. And I'll tell you something, one of the greatest things you'll ever do, and that's bless the Lord. Amen. He blesses us all the time, but if we'll just offer up praise and uh, let the sacrifice of our mouth be praise yeah. unto Him, then we can bless the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank God. The psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Thank the Lord for His goodness and mercy. If you will, open your Bible with me to the book of Luke, uh, chapter number 22. Two verses of Scripture that I want to share with you tonight. And we'll just break these two verses down and look at them together. And allow the Lord to speak to us through His Word. I want to preach tonight on the subject, The Devil's Desire. And uh, here it gives us, The Devil's Desire. And I want to tell you something up front. His desire has not changed. What he wanted to do to the Apostle Peter, he'd sure like to do to you and me in the same manner. We need to know about our enemy, the devil, and uh, learn some things about him. And I'll tell you, one of the things we need to do, we need to learn so much about God, we'll know when something false turns up. Amen. Amen. I heard about this fellow that uh, he uh, went to work for the government in uh, trying to apprehend people that were counterfeiters. And they sent him to school to learn about counterfeiting, that he might catch people that were counterfeiting our U.S. dollars and uh, our money. And uh, so soon as he got through and was able to come home for a short time, uh, his folks asked him, said, tell us some things about counterfeit money. What, what are we to look for? What does counterfeit money look like? He said, you know, I've never seen any counterfeit money. I have no idea what it looks like. And they said, uh, what do you mean you've never seen counterfeit money? You've been to school, and you've been studying how to catch counterfeiters, and you've never seen any counterfeit money? He said, no. He said, what they taught us was about the real thing. And said, we know so much about real money, if any false money shows up, we can spot it yeah. right yes. off. Well, I'll tell you, if you'll learn so much about God, when the devil shows up, You'll spot him right off. Amen. Thank the Lord. Would you stand with me? Verse 31, verse 32. Here the Lord reveals the devil's desire. And I want us to see it together. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you tonight for the privilege we have to pray. Thank you for this service, and I pray you'll help me to be a blessing and an inspiration. Help me, Lord, to give instruction from your word that will benefit this people that's gathered tonight in this place. Thank you for Brother Ronnie and his family. Bless them in a special way. Touch my wife tonight. Be with her. 
Bless my son and daughter-in-law as they look after her. And just be with us in this hour. Save the lost and bless the saved, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated, if you will. I want us to look at these two verses. And in just a moment, after a brief introduction, I want to share three things with you about the devil's desire and uh, trust that uh, the Lord will use it tonight to be a blessing to you. Now I could talk about uh, the devil's description. And there's much said in the Bible about our enemy, the devil. He's described for us very, very well in the Bible. Uh, in fact, sometimes we overestimate the power that the devil has. Yeah. I want you to know he's not in charge. Amen? He's not the one in ultimate power. Now, before Calvary, in the Old Testament, the devil was known as the God of this world. But in the New Testament, his power has been so reduced after Jesus put his foot on his neck, after Jesus had overcome him, he is now only the prince and the power of the air. Thank God he got demoted from godhood to a prince in this world. And a prince is not the ultimate power in a kingdom. The king is still the ultimate power. And so it is. And we, sometimes we uh, overestimate his power and then sometimes we underestimate his power. I'm no match for the devil myself, neither are you, but oh, I'm glad I know one who is that I can go to. Or I could talk to you not only about the devil's description tonight, but I could talk to you about the devil's deception. He's a master artist when it comes to deception. In fact, he is so good at it. The Lord said himself, it were, if it were possible, he would deceive the very elect of God. He is a master artist when it comes to deception. Or I could talk to you about the devil's deeds. I, I want you to know he goes to church in every service. He'll show up. He's not just out in the honky-tonks but he directs people in the wrong manner and his deeds are terrible in this world. But I'm going to spend our time looking together at the devil's desire. The first thing that I want to bring to your attention has to do with the preaching of the scriptures. I'll tell you the devil desires to stop the preaching of the word of God. Amen. Why, he'll do anything he can to keep the preaching of the word from going out. Notice, if you will, the first words of verse 31, And the Lord said, Now I'll tell you, the devil's not too concerned about what I got to say, or what you may have to say, but when it comes to what God said, it's a different matter. And so here... It, we find that this is what the Lord said. And the devil would desire to put that away. 
I tell you, let me give you two reasons right quickly why the devil desires to stop the preaching of the scriptures. Number one, because the Bible contains a message that warns. The devil does not want us pre-warned. He does not want us to know what's going to take place. And Ephesians tells us about the wiles of the devil. I remember hearing Dr. John McCormick some years ago. He was talking about he heard a young preacher preach, and he preached on the willies of the devil. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'll tell you, he might have got the word wrong, but the devil has got a lot of willies. Amen. A lot of wiles that he cast our way uh, to try to cause us to stumble along the way. Now notice what the Lord said. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Have you ever wondered why did Jesus say that? It was Jesus himself who had changed this man's name. That was his old name before he got saved, before he met Jesus. Jesus said, thou shalt no longer be called Simon, but Peter, the rock. But now we find him calling him Simon. Because you see, Simon reflects back to the old man and the old nature. That's what Jesus was bringing to the apostle Peter's attention, that the devil wanted to work on that old nature. Why did he say it twice? Anytime something is said twice, it is a confirmation. The number two in the Bible is the number of confirmation. The Bible said in the mouth of two or more witnesses shall anything be established. And so it's the uh, number of confirmation. And here he said it twice to confirm to the apostle Peter that he still had the old Adamic nature to contend with. And so here he warns him of the flesh. The Bible tells us to give no place to the flesh. I'll tell you, you'll fail if you do. We're to recognize that we're to put no confidence in the flesh. And uh, we're not to be led by our own heart. The heart is desperately wicked and past finding out. So he warns him of the old nature. Just a few verses on down. We find that the apostle Peter did get sifted in the flesh and failure came in his life as a result of that sifting. And so here we can see it is a message that warns. But not only does the devil desire to stop the preaching of the scriptures because it has a message that warns, but also because it has a message that wins. Hey, if you want something that'll work every time, use this book. Thank God it'll get the job done. The Lord said, my word, when it's cast upon the waters, shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish that which I have sent it to do. And so what the Bible is saying is, if we use the word of God it will not return void. You may not live to see 
the results of your giving out the word. You may not see it when you give it out, what it will result in. But thank God the Lord takes it and uses it. And one day yonder at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, we'll find out why God said that. I remember a dear friend of mine used to have some big speakers on the top of his car. And they'd go to sawmills and they'd go to places where people would congregate together. And they'd turn on a PA system in the car and get out and preach and give out the word of God. And this particular preacher uh, one day said uh, he was riding down the road and he said God spoke to him and said I want you to stop right here. And he stopped his car and got out. And he said, the Lord impressed upon him very, very plainly. I want you to preach. I want you to turn on your speakers and preach. He said, I looked around everywhere. There wasn't a house in sight. There wasn't anybody about uh, in uh, listening distance. And he said, the Lord impressed even more upon his heart. I want you to preach right here, right now. And finally, he said, I flipped that thing on got my Bible and stood there by myself on the side of the road and preached a sermon. He said, I closed it out, got in my car and left. Uh, he said, I don't know what that's all about. Nobody heard me, but I guess I just needed to preach. Amen. But he said, uh, sometime later, a man came up to him and said, Sir, uh, called him by name and, and said, uh, uh, Do you remember pulling over on the side of the road and do you remember setting up your equipment and preaching the word of God that one day on the side of the road by yourself? He said, man, how did you know that? I, no one was around to hear me. How'd you know I did that? He said, I was a bootlegger. He said, I was making liquor down in the holler from where you were and said, I heard the word of God and I got under conviction and God saved me by his wonderful grace. And I just want to thank you for obeying what God told you to do. I'll tell you, friend, we may not understand why or how, but when we give out the word, it will not return unto us void. Amen. It'll accomplish what God sent it to do. I remember some years ago, I was invited to come just outside of Atlanta, Georgia for a special meeting. I preached to a large group of preachers that had gathered in from all over the country. And uh, boy, I tell you, if I've ever struck out preaching, I did that day. I, I, I had seven points in a message and two sub-points under each one of them, I preached the sermon in 22 minutes. And if I could have found a, a time that I could have got out quicker, I would have, amen. I tell you, I've never made such a mess trying to preach in all my life. I was so bond, bound, and I, I thought, man, what a failure in front of all of these preachers from all over the country. What a failure it was. And I, I remember so well, I went home, my wife was with me, I, I, I was so troubled by it, I couldn't sleep. I, I got out and walked up and down the road, 
in front of the church where I was pastoring at that time. And, and I, I began to ask the Lord, Lord, why did you uh, ha have me to make such a failure? I studied and I made everything uh, right that I needed. And why did this happen? And uh, I got no answer. A couple of weeks went by. Boy, I still in the valley over such a failure in trying to preach. And uh, on Sunday afternoon, my telephone rang. I answered it, and the fellow said, Brother Darty, you may not remember me. I'm from Texas. And he said, uh, I was in a service where you preached a couple of weeks ago. said, you remember that message you preached? And I thought, yeah, I remember it, but I sure have been trying my best to forget that I ever tried to preach that. He said, Preacher, I wrote down your outline that night. It said that message changed my life. He said, I've never had anything to touch me and move me and change me any more than that message did. I thought to myself, is he talking about the same service that uh, I think he's talking about? Surely nobody could have got any help after that. And he said, Preacher, I wrote down your outline, and it so helped me, I wanted to share it with others. And uh, he said, I, I got up this morning and preached that outline and said, God blessed it. We had five precious souls saved and a number of people to get right with God. I'll tell you, I, I believe I could have hung up the telephone here in Georgia and he'd have still heard me shout out, now, out in Texas. Amen. I, I, I'll tell you, when it seems like you've utterly failed, when it seems like you've done the worst you've ever done, if you put it in God's hand, God can use it for his honor and his glory. And so he did. Thank God on that occasion. Somebody heard and somebody Amen. got help. Amen. And so we must recognize that God will move and use his word. I can remember one of the greatest meetings, one of the best revivals that I've been in in my ministry, I guess, was down in Cornelia, Georgia. We had such a good meeting Monday through Friday night in that revival service. And I can remember the number of people got saved one night when it really broke out. We had 23 saved that night. And we had actually folks going home and getting people and bringing them back to the service. And they'd get right and get saved and get right with each other. I'm telling you, a real old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival broke out. And I, since that time, I've met people. In fact, I preached with a young man in a preacher's meeting in another town. And uh, he said, Brother Darty, he said, I, I want to thank you for being a blessing to me in my life. And I said, well, thank you, my brother. I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't remember you. And he said, you remember that revival you preached in Cornelia, Georgia? I said, yes, I do. He said, on Friday night of that meeting, I got saved by the grace of God. And said, God's called me to preach, and I'm pastoring, and God's using me. Now, if I hadn't have met him there at that meeting, I'd have never known that that fellow got saved by the grace of God. I go back to places, and people tell me, such as that. 
I'll tell you, God uses His Word. If we'll just put it out there, let's stick to sharing with others, thus saith the Lord. Amen. I remember I was witnessing to a fellow, I went by his home and uh, went in and started talking to him. I've never seen such a cold, steely, unconcerned man in my entire life. And I said, sir, I want to ask you something. Would you mind if I just opened the scriptures? Won't take me but a few minutes. And just share with you God's simple plan for salvation. He said, no, I don't guess I'd mind. And I said, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Want to get right close to you. He's sitting in a recliner. And I just got over on the side uh, of the recliner and put my Bible uh, on the arm and uh, carried him through the plan of salvation. Boy, when I got through with it, that fellow who'd been so cold and steely and unconcerned, tears welled up in his eyes. And uh, he started to weep. And he, I said, now that you've heard the plan of salvation, what do you want to do? He said, I want to get saved. And we got down in the floor by that recliner and he trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. I'll tell you, the word will work every time. Amen. If we'll just use the precious word of God. But not only tonight do I want you to see the preaching of the scriptures that brought to our attention in the devil's desire. But number two, I want us to look at the picture of the sifter. Here the Bible said, Simon, the devil has desired to sift you like wheat. Now, what was Jesus talking about when he told the apostle Peter about the sifter? He said, the devil's desire, Peter, is to sift you like wheat. Let me explain what Jesus was talking about in this situation. To be sifted like wheat. Sifting in the eastern part of the world has two processes that you must go through. One is called wintering. And uh, that is to go out and find a flat spot where it's where the wind can blow and a place where it usually does blow. And they usually lay rocks around about 30 feet in circumference and, and uh, then they put their wheat inside. They get on it and start treading the threshing floor, mashing it and breaking it up as they walk on it. Then they take what we call here in our Western culture a pitchfork. But in uh, the eastern part of the world, they call it a fan. Now they call it a fan because that's what it does. It causes the wheat to be separated from the chaff. And they take that pitchfork or that fan and throw it in the air. And the wind blows the chaff away and the grains of the wheat fall back down on the threshing floor. And for hours upon hours, they cast that in the air to separate the wheat from the chaff. And after they've got it as good as they can get it, there's still quite a bit of chaff uh, mixed in with the wheat. So they bring it to the second process. 
And that's what Jesus is talking about here. They bring it to the sifter. Now, the sifter is a, a barrel, and about uh, two-thirds up in the barrel is a mesh built in there. And they take the wheat, and they pour it into this barrel, and they shake it, and the grains fall down through that mesh, that wire that's there, down inside the barrel. The only thing that's left on top is the old husk and waste of the wheat. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about when he talked to the apostle Peter. Here's what he is saying. He is saying to Peter, Peter, the devil's desire is to take everything about you that's good and sift it down on the inside where nobody can see it and only leave that which is chaff and useless and waste on the top for people to see. That's exactly what the devil desires in your life and in mine tonight. He wants to put everything good about us out of sight where nobody can see it. Leave the old husk of the flesh, the old chaff of life where people can look upon it. Oh, he wants to get rid of peace and love and long-suffering and temperance and all of these attributes that God gives to you and I as believers. He wants to sift them down inside where only the old husk of the old nature like hatred and and uh, uh, variance and and uh, getting back at somebody that's done us wrong. Things like that to leave as the old husk and waste of the flesh on the surface for people to see. What people need to see in us is the attributes of God and not the works of the flesh that's revealed. And so that's what Jesus was saying to Peter. He wants to put everything about God in you out of sight. And let the old man, let the old husk of the flesh be seen in your day-by-day living. And I want you to know the devil still desires to do that. Seems like for men, the devil can best sift us when we get behind the wheel of our automobile. Have you noticed how we change? In our personality, when we sit down behind the steering wheel, I mean that love and understanding and all of those things somehow are sifted out of sight and the old husk of the flesh is left on the surface. Amen? Have you ever been going somewhere and you're in a hurry to get there and you get behind somebody that's not in any hurry. You, have you done that? i tell you what I do. I talk to them. I'll say it looks like if this nut was going to stop, he'd put money in the meter. You know, I, 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 my wife said one day, I'm going to roll down the window where they can hear you. But I talk to them. Amen. You, you ever do that? Talk to people as you're driving down the road? I can see it right now. Here you are driving down the road 
and you'd come to a four-way stop. Now you saw that fella that just pulled up here a second or two before you did. And as courteous and nice as you are, you wait for him to come across. And he comes across, now it's your turn. And you start to come across and here comes a guy. He don't even stop for the stop sign. He comes right through it, almost hits you. You slam on the brakes. Everything in the seat falls down in the floorboard. I can see it right now. You're such a super Christian. You're so spiritual that you reach down, you pick up those things you need to pick up out of the floor, and then you say, God bless you, sir. It seems the way that you're driving, you're going to need some extra prayer. I guess maybe before I take off again, I'll just bow and ask the Lord to bless you real good and to look after you. Is that how you treat it? No, usually what you want to do is pull that thing down in a lower gear, take off after that guy and catch him and give him a piece of your mind. Amen? And I want to tell you something, if you're like me, you better not give a piece of your mind away. You can't afford it. Amen. You need to use all you can get a hold of in this life. But that's so much like us to uh, get uh, sifted. The devil upset us and make us ill and mad. I'll never forget on one occasion, a uh, Sunday school class gave me a nice gift certificate for Christmas. And I wonder if you ever tried to shop right after Christmas. I mean, uh, they're not going to put anything out new. They're not going to order anything until they make inventory. They've got their stock down now through Christmas as low as they can get it, and they're not going to restock. I went in this store, and I looked around everywhere, and I couldn't find anything that I needed. And I said, sir, I I've got a gift certificate that... A Sunday school class gave me, and I said, uh, I don't see anything that I need here. Can I just cast this thing in? He said, now look, bud, we sell those things to be used in the store and to purchase things with. I said, yes, sir, I, I understand that, but I, I couldn't find anything. Let me look again. I looked, and I, looked, I tried on hats. I don't even wear a hat. I, I'm just trying to find something I could buy, and I couldn't find anything. And I said, hey, let me tell you, you're going to have to just cash this thing in. You ain't got anything in here. I won't. And my wife said, I never say that like I said it to him. She said, I wasn't nice when I said it. And he said, well, okay, sir, let me have it. And I gave him the gift certificate. He went over to the cash register, and, and uh, while he was gone, my wife turned to me and said, uh, Hey, here's a track. Give it to him when he comes back. And invite him to come hear you preach Sunday. I said, shut up, woman. Who asked you for anything? Amen. I'll tell you, terrible when your wife turns on you. Amen. And uh, he come back and I said, sir, wait a minute. You don't have to catch that thing. I'll come back some other time. I apologize. I I, I'm sorry, sir. I, I didn't mean to be rude. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a preacher, and I want to be nice and tell you about Jesus and God's amazing grace. I'll tell you, 
Uh, the devil had sifted me like wheat. And that's what he desires to do to us all. And there's you ladies. You thought I was going to leave you out, didn't you? I, I, I can see it right now. You prepared a meal. Ooh, I'll tell you, it's a masterpiece. And you just can't wait. You're waiting now, standing at the stove. Everything's set on the table. Everything's ready. You're waiting for the bread to brown. Hey, I'm talking about real bread. I'm not talking about, amen. And you're waiting for the bread to brown. Then you're going to call the family in and see as they ooh and ah over what you've cooked. I can see it now. One of the kids hollers and said, Mama, cat's on the table. I can see you now. You're such a super Christian. You're so spiritual. I can see it. You go in there and pick up that little cat. And you say, well, God bless you, kitty. You're just a little dumb animal. I should have seen that you were out of the house before I put all of that food on the table. Now, kitty, you run on, and I'll fix you something after I get some other things fixed that you messed up. I, oh, isn't that great? Aren't you a super Christian? Is that the way you usually would handle it? No, I'll tell you what you do. You run in there. You grab that little cat up. You take it to the back door, and you throw it as far as you can send it and say you'll never get back in this house again as long as I live. Amen. Oh, you know what just happened to you? The devil sifted you like wheat. He put all of those good things about you that Jesus gives to you like love, understanding, temperance, peace, and joy. He put all of that out of sight and brought the old husk of the flesh of revenge to your heart and in your mind and caused you to react according to the husk of the flesh instead of the fruits of the Spirit of God in your life. So we see here the picture of the sifter. Then the third thing I want to share with you right quickly, not only the preaching of the Scriptures does the devil desire to stop, and the picture of the sifting, that he might sift us as wheat and put all of those good things out of sight. But there's the purpose of the sifting. Why did he not say to Peter, the devil desires to put you in the sifter, but I prayed for you that you won't have to get in it. No, he didn't pray that way and he didn't say that. He said that I have prayed for thee. Look at it in verse 22, 32 rather. That thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Here we can see the purpose of the sifting. He didn't stop him from getting into the sifter. He just gave him a special anointing of God's grace while he was in there. That he might bring honor and glory to the Lord. That's exactly what God wants. Now, two things. Let me just give you very briefly as to the purpose of the sifting. Number one, he does it to silence 
Satan. Did you know one of the names of our enemy is the accuser? That's what it means, the accuser. Job tells us about that accusation. The Bible said when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, that Satan came also with them. And uh, the Lord said, uh, whence cometh thou? I want you to notice what the devil had to say to the Lord when he said that. Where have you come from, devil? And the devil said, from down on the earth, where I go to and fro and up and down. Now I want you to get the gist of what that statement is saying. The devil said down on the earth, I don't have any opposing forces that set against me. I'm the ultimate there. I don't have anything that's uh, against me on the earth. Oh, but the Lord said, Have you considered my servant Job? He astueth evil. That simply means he's against you in all of your wicked deeds. Have you considered the fact that my servant Job is on the earth opposing evil and doing good? And the devil said, by the way, God, I've been intending to talk to you about Job. You see, Job is serving you for naught. I mean, he said, Job is serving you because of what you've given him. At that time, Job was one of the richest men on earth. And he said, I'll tell you why Job serves you. You've put everything in his hands. He's rich and has need for nothing. If you were to take that away, Job would curse you. And the Lord said, well, I'll allow that to be taken away. And we'll see the next time we see Job, ten children are dead. All of his livestock is gone. All of his crops have been burned. And things are, his servants stolen. And all of these things. Are, and we see Job penniless. He went from being the richest man to being the poorest man on the earth. But you know what Job said? He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, and he is saying, take that devil. Amen. I don't have to have all these good things from God to praise him. I'd praise him if I didn't have nothing. And he didn't and still was praising the name of the Lord. And it silenced Satan about it. But Satan come back to God and said, wait a minute, I made a mistake. It wasn't his possession, it's his person. All that good health you've given him, if you were to take it away, he'd curse you. And the next time we see Job, he's sitting on an ash heap. He's got a, a, something scraping himself. He's got boils from the bottom of his feet to the crown of his head. And he's trying to get some relief from all of those boils that covered his body in such misery while Job's wife knew what was going on. She knew that this contest was uh, that he would not curse God and she went out and in order to relieve her husband from his pain that he was going through she said Job why don't you just curse God and die. 
You can get out of this. All you got to do is curse God. And he said, you speak as a foolish woman. He said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. My record is on high. And even though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. I'll tell you, Job just went on praising God. And it silenced the devil. He could not accuse him any longer. He had proven himself. Sometimes we go through trials to prove our motives in life and let the devil know we're serving God because we love him and because we want to serve him. But not only did he allow this sifting to uh, silence Satan, but to strengthen saints. He said to Peter, and when thou art converted, do what? Strengthen the brethren. Oh, I'll tell you, anybody can uh, cry out and shout when things are going good. But i tell you, when a shout's real, it's when somebody's down in the valley. Amen. It's when somebody's wading through trouble and trials and tribulation as deep as it can get. And yet they praise the wonderful, matchless name of the Lord. And he said, you're going through this sifter will strengthen the brethren. And they'll know just as sure as I brought you through it, I will bring them through it also. Amen. Now notice what Jesus said. He said, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Now get this statement. And when, not if, and when thou art converted, when you get through this, you'll be able to strengthen the brethren. Oh, I'll tell you, thank God for what God can do. Amen. My wife has been a blessing to a lot of ladies uh, because she's been a cancer survivor and testified and told of God's wonderful, amazing grace and what he had done for it. She went through that in order that she might strengthen others that goes through it. In the book of Psalms, the Bible tells us to dig a well in the valley of tears. In the valley of Baca. That word means tears. He said, while you're traveling through the valley of tears, dig a well. Now, well is an instrument of refreshment. And what he is saying is, remember, while you're going through that valley of tears, while sorrow is deep in your life, that somebody else is going to have to come through that same valley. So what I want you to do is dig a well in that valley that when that person behind you comes through and they get to your well, they'll be refreshed day by day in this walk of life. Thank God for his goodness and his mercy. Strengthen the brethren. Turn in your Bible, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. And look with me at verse 3 and verse number 4. And here it is, strengthening the brethren. 
helping others that come through troubles because we've been through it. Listen to what verse 3 and 4 says. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Now, I want you to know why he went through that tribulation. He said that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. How are you going to comfort them, Paul? Look at the last statement of that verse. He said, uh, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Why, we'll just share with them what God did for us. And it'll be an encouragement. That's what that word if you've got a center reference, it'll run you over. That word comfort here comes from a Greek word that means encouragement. Yeah. Thank God he'll encourage us that we might encourage others that come through that valley of sorrow in your life. Would you stand with me, please? The devil's desire that he may sift you as wheat. The devil's desire is to put everything good about you out of sight. Let the old husk of the flesh be left visible to people in their day-by-day living in this world. Father, take the message tonight. Use it for your glory. There may be somebody here now that the devil has been sifting them. Lord, he's been revealing the old husk of the flesh instead of the attributes of God in their life. So many times, Lord, he's done us this way. And I pray, oh God, for them, that you'll strengthen them, that while they're in the sifter, they'll be faithful. Lord, that their faith will not fail, that they'll be able to help others when they come through it and silence the devil that would accuse us before God. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. What are we singing tonight, my brother? What page? 375 in the church hymnal. And as we sing, have thine own way, would you allow the Lord to do that? Would you allow God to just touch you if maybe you've been sifted, you want to just come and say, Lord, I need your help as I go through the sifter that I might come through it for your glory and be able to strengthen others as they come through. While we sing, come on for prayer, would you tonight?